You are now tuned in to Hollywood Ways with Doug and Breezy. Oh, hey, Ted. I know that you like the lies, know you like the way it shines. There's no other place you'd rather be. This is how we do it in Hollywood. This is how we do it. All right, welcome to Hollywood Ways. I am doing this uh, live from the house as everyone uh, at the studio is got COVID. And, and some people are sick. Nobody's too bad, thank God. But as they say, the show must go on. So we are, are moving on. And I have been grinding throughout the holiday. And I'm excited. And I, I got a lot of people online asking me what's going on. So I've written the script. The cast is really coming together. Obviously, I've mentioned we've got Kevin Dillon, Kevin Connolly. I now have uh, an Emmy winner. Two Emmy winners, in addition to those guys, um, an Oscar nominee. So uh, we'll get into exactly who those are soon. But right now, we're really uh, excited about it. And as I said, we're self-financing this. We don't know where it's going to be distributed yet. The plan is to just make it as great as possible and really do it the way we want to do it and surround ourselves with people that really want to uh, create something interesting and cool and and have a good time doing it. So that's the plan. Um as far as COVID, you know, again, I know there's the, the non-believers of this, but I think everybody, no matter what walk of life you're in right now, you're seeing that it's affecting a lot of things on a lot of levels, even if people do have mild symptoms. They're not coming to work. They're not available to work at your favorite place. And, and lots of stuff is getting shut down. So um, we all have to deal with it and we're dealing with it to the best of our ability. But um, we're ready to shoot this thing February 14th, but I'm not sure whether we're going to be able to or not based on, you know, making sure that everybody is able to show up for work and what's happening now, you know, on our budget. I mean, there's almost a hundred thousand dollars in a budget right now, just for COVID testing and protocols. So it's, it's making it quite complicated, but anyway, cause I'm on my own, I was just going to answer some questions that people put on the internet and, and give you something for the day. And I I'm going to try to figure out how we can do call-in so I can actually interact with people live. And uh, I wish you could see me because I'm in a velour onesie right now and I feel really good and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to roll. Anyway, I'm just going to get into questions that people want to know. So I got Maria 05 wants to know if I have any projects with Scott Kahn. Scott Kahn was one of my close friends who was on Entourage, star of Hawaii Five O, Golden Globe nominated actor and and just, you know, all around talent. He's a playwright. I wrote a script for him uh, that takes place in Napa Valley. At the moment, it's, you know, just like a lot of things in this town, it's on hold and we'll see what happens with it. But it's it's there. He's happy with it. And we're, we're hoping we can get that going. As far as the show I'm doing now, I've told Scott if he's available at the time that we start shooting, he'll come in and do something. But there's nothing specific at this moment. But Scott and I will definitely work together again in the future. And I'm excited for that. Um, so James R. Mace wants to know who's the most difficult actor I've ever worked with. I've been really fortunate that I haven't had a lot of difficult actors. I mean, one of the things that I, that I talk about, most of my writing, I try to be as grounded and realistic and in the realm of the world that I know as much as possible. So the only thing that's ever been difficult for me, and it's not uh, because they're difficult, but there are some actors that could come in and even with something that you think you, you've written that is very uh, specific, they can come in with so many different 
takes on it and performances like Giovanni Rabisi is a guy that comes to my mind because he was an actor that was on Entourage who's if you've watched his body of work he can be so many different things so when I write a scene for a guy like Kevin Connolly I kind of know there's a lot of the real Kevin Connolly going to come into that character and that doesn't mean he's not a great actor but there are other actors like a Daniel Day-Lewis and and Giovanni Rabisi I'm not saying he's Daniel Day-Lewis but he's just really damn good Adam Goldberg's another one that they can bring uh, a level of just different balances and nuances to something that you may not even recognize. It's kind of, I guess, like the first time I saw Pirates of the Caribbean, I was imagining what the director thought when Johnny Depp walked on set with that and how much they had planned, how much they had thought of. And I remember going, holy shit, this is genius. But were people watching this going, what in the hell is this guy doing? Um, Nick Cage is another actor that he can be so many different levels there was a very cool article that that came out about Cage where he was talking about acting and he said he looks at it almost like abstract art and he will sometimes come in with something that is so wild and so different than what somebody might have seen on the page. So those are the things that I find more difficult because I'm always in my work, I'm always looking for something that is really like real to the life that I live in. And it's why I say when people say, could you write something like Aquaman? Could I write Harry Potter? Those are not things that I could ever even imagine. They just, my brain doesn't, you know, enter those things, but I love them and I appreciate the people that do that. And it brings me to another question that's kind of in that realm, but I don't know if this is your actual name, Dim Sydney, but uh, I think that's what it is. But Dim Sydney, want to know if there's a classic script or a movie that I wish had been mine. And there are a lot. And I've actually been watching them this week. Whenever I prepare to get into production or write a new script. I always watch the things that inspire and motivate me and get me excited. And, uh, you know, a movie that's really been an inspiration for me that actually was an inspiration for the wine thing that I was talking about with Scott Kahn, as well as the new thing that I'm, I'm doing uh, is Sideways, which uh, Alexander Payne is one of my favorite filmmakers, made election and, and uh, other things. But Sideways is uh, Paul Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church and uh, Virginia Madsen. And um, it's just one of my favorite movies of all time. Everything about it, the tone, the cinematography, and the, obviously the screenwriting is just, it's brilliant. So it's one of those movies that I've also always looked at since the first time I saw it, which, you know, I've talked about this a little bit before, but there's been a few movies in my life that I've seen two nights in a row in a movie theater because they meant that much to me the first time I saw them. And Crimes and Misdemeanors by Woody Allen, which Martin Landau from Entourage was in. Um, Talk Radio, which Oliver Stone did, which is about uh, Eric Bogosian wrote it and starred in it, which is a great movie. And Sideways is another one that I saw two nights in a row in the theater. And I actually watched it twice in the last month. And it's um, a movie that I feel like is in me somewhere. And before I check out of this world and this business, it's something that I want to get to. And uh, it's definitely been an inspiration for the thing that I'm doing. I'm not saying anything like that. And a lot of people are asking me, what is the new show? not ready to talk about it yet. As I said, we don't know where it's going to be distributed. We don't know where it's going to go. And right now I'm back to what I was like when I was 21. The idea is just make it great and everything else will take care of itself. Um, you know, I, I, my first two short films that I made, I was fortunate enough to sell. I also did two independent films that both sold the studios. So uh, I'm planning on taking that route. And uh, I, I've been kind of saying it on the podcast for about a two years now, but there's so many opportunities to create on your own. And, uh, you know, I hate to jump in on, on Taylor Swift, who I do love. But Taylor Swift, 
made two Grammy winning albums during this pandemic while she was in her house. She couldn't even get in the same room with a lot of the musicians when she made them. And she still kind of just kept moving forward. So uh, again, don't harass me and tell me I'm not as talented as Taylor Swift. And don't tell me you don't like Taylor Swift. I don't care either way. But my point is everybody out there, if you're interested in this creative field, this is the time to just get up and go do something. It's inexpensive, even though uh, as producer Ted knows, who's investing into this uh, show that we're doing, it still is expensive when you want to do things right. And when you want to dealing with unions and and COVID, as I said, is uh, another thing. Remember when CBD came out? It was all the rage. We all wanted it to be like cannabis, and it wasn't. It helps with some things, but you don't exactly feel it. Our friends over at CBDX.com felt the same way, so they went all in on Delta 8 THC. Prepare to have your mind blown. All of the goodness at CBDX.com is federally legal form of THC. You will absolutely feel it. They have tasty flour, which is just like the cannabis you know and love. They have strong but discreet vape cartridges, absurdly potent gummies, and even pure concentrates. These will get you stoned. So remember, never drive or operate heavy machinery when using these products, and they will show up as THC on a drug test. Go to CBDX.com. That's four letters, CBDX, and use the code HWAYZ. You will get 20% off and a free gift. That's CBDX.com and use HWAYZ. If you live in a state where cannabis is legal, this is a lot easier than going to the dispensary and cheaper than paying all those taxes. If you live in a state where cannabis isn't legal, this is a no-brainer. Forget those sketchy handoffs. Get yourself some gummies or a vape. You will be blown away that this is legal and shipped directly to you. All right, welcome back, Hollywood Ways. What else can we talk about? All right, Trevor Dean Hill, who texted me this morning, he wanted to know what I thought of the opening of Morning Show, which is a show I've never seen. Um, Jennifer Aniston and uh, Reese Witherspoon and Steve Carell. So I watched the first five minutes of it this morning, you know, from uh, Trevor's question. I can't comment on the show because I haven't seen more than five minutes of it. My thought as an opening of just what I saw today about an hour ago is it's not an opening that catches me. I've seen this type of show a million times. I've seen it in my opinion. And again, it might get great and I'm not dismissing anybody and I hate to be a hater on anything because I'm not. I'm just giving you what I thought when I watched it. And uh, some of the great openings of shows and, and similar to that, Sports Night by Aaron Sorkin. You know, within the first 40 seconds of that show, you know what the world is. You're introduced to characters with very specific tones and ideas and, and you're in. West Wing, Aaron Sorkin as well, and Newsroom, which are all, they've got similar vibes to what I think Morning Show is going for. Um, And, you know, I think Morning Show, again, just in the five minutes I saw, Network uh, is a great classic film. And I think there's some elements of that. But what I saw in that opening was a slow burn and what felt to me to be more dramatic than what I wanted to to see out of a a show about the morning show. But I don't want to get too into the woods about it when I've only seen five minutes about it. But since he asked me about it, I will say that. And and what I wanted to talk about for screenwriters, for people trying to get a new thing going, and I'm doing it right now. So I actually analyze this stuff all the time. I've said this before, but I look at screenwriting books, which, you know, sometimes it's very awkward when I'm trying to figure out my own screenplay and I read a screenwriting book and I'm actually in it and they're talking about Entourage and how that went. But it is important when you sit down to write that you really think about how you can engage people as quickly as possible, how you can let them in on 
what is happening as quickly as possible. And even in the last 48 hours, when I've started meeting with, uh, I have a friend, Mark Abrams, who's a, you know, an Emmy nominated writer who worked on Entourage and ran the Burning Mac show. And he's a guy who reads everything I've ever written and gives me, you know, notes and is always very thoughtful and very smart about it. And we spent a lot of time over the last two days, really thinking about the opening of the new thing that I'm doing. And uh, it is, especially now with people's uh, attention spans, it is important to both grab people quickly and let them know what they're in for quickly. And again, if you have morning show, when you have Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell, I think you have a little bit more time because people will stick with it, even if they're not particularly interested in what seems to be happening on the screen, but they know they're going to see these great actors. But on the page, I like to make sure that by page five, you know what the world is, you know who the main characters are, and you have a drive for what your story is. So um, I think the examples that I would look at for similar shows to what the beginning of morning show is, Sports Night and Newsroom and in uh, a classic movie sense, which doesn't quite start like that. But Broadcast News is another one, which is just one of the great movies of all time that really can show you what uh, the workings of a TV newsroom are like and make you feel that anxiety and pressure, which is what Trevor was asking me. Does that feel like the life of a showrunner? Was that what it was like on Entourage? And when it's done well, yeah, those are the things that are going on when you're running a show. There's a thousand things coming at you. They're coming at you from every angle. There's a hundred people running in and asking you different questions and expecting you to give a quick response. And every time you don't, something might fall and something might cost extra money. So it's important to go. But again, I'm not trashing morning show. I actually will watch it. And Reese, Reese is really one of my favorite actors and Carell as well. So I, I'm excited to see more of it, but I was not particularly drawn in by the beginning of it. Alan Hughes wants to know who my favorite artists, musical artists are. And, you know, everyone knows Entourage was a music was a giant part of it. Um, When it first started, I was very obsessed with what the musical choices were. I was very involved with every single pick and you can see how the show even though there is a lot of hip hop in the beginning and, and Jay-Z Lucifer and the pilot and stuff coming up like that. But my tendencies definitely lean towards classic rock, which was more in the beginning. I mean, it's front in the, in the opening and, and Joe Walsh funk 49 that, that closed the end of season one. But uh, as I brought my music supervisor in and started trusting him more and uh, Scott Venner, who's just got an amazing ear and as well as, very on top of what's now, what's cool and what's hip. So you can feel um, his influence coming in more and more as the seasons go and me starting to trust him more and more as the seasons go. My musical influences on television and movies, you know, are very based in kind of Martin Scorsese stuff, which is needle drop music, finding the perfect tune that fits the moment and that can bring emotion out of it. And also you have some amazing songs, but with this new one, I'm, I'm actually thinking about getting a composer. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. It'll evolve just like the script is evolving and the cast is evolving. And again, what I could say about that is the last two weeks while COVID is happening, while we're all locked in this room, the show's really evolving in so many ways, and uh, it's just getting better by the day, and I'm really excited about it. So also, though, uh, Alan Hughes wanted to know what my favorite musical experience was, and I think he means live musical shows. And that would you know, go back to my childhood when I was at camp in Maine, 
and we had a camp trip to Toronto and I had this crazy counselor. He took a group of 13 year olds on a bus from Maine to Toronto, however long that drive was. But he heard that the police were playing in Montreal. So he decided to uh, change the trip without telling the camp and told all of us kids, do not tell your parents, but we're going to Montreal to see the police. And it was a synchronicity tour. And it was the police, Stevie Ray Vaughan, the talking heads and Peter Tosh at Olympic Stadium. This might have been like my second or third concert. My first concert ever was Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden, which was amazing. But this concert was so incredible because we just had a bunch of 13 year olds who were kind of set loose in Canada at this incredible concert where the truth is I never heard of Stevie Ray Vaughan in 19. This is probably 1984. And I got to see him from about three feet away because the police was the big act. The talking heads were the second big act at that time. And Stevie Ray Vaughan and Peter Tosh, who if you don't know Peter Tosh, Peter Tosh was with Bob Marley before he was, he was killed. Um, So he's amazing as well. But watching Stevie Ray Vaughan, who I had never heard of from less than a foot away, because the place was pretty empty until the police or the talking heads came on was uh, one of the most amazing musical experiences I I ever saw. And uh, it made me uh, wish I could play the guitar as going back to the question of somebody asked me if there are movies or classic things that I wish that uh, I could have written. I've always wished I could have been a musician, but I don't have that. But uh, anyone who doesn't know Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, should definitely listen to the, some of that music. And if you want to see someone really go, watch some videos of him playing the guitar because it's pretty mind-boggling. Thanks for listening to Hollywood Ways. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We're going to take a quick break to talk about something very important, you. If you're like Breezy and myself, you're probably busy balancing work and family life. And maybe you're taking care of everything except your mental health. Think about this for a minute. We get our car service to prevent bigger issues down the road. We work out and visit the doctor to prevent injury and disease in our bodies. We see the dentist for our teeth to prevent cavities and other issues. Going to therapy is like all of the above. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness. We both know about the stresses of life, and we also know that it's not good to keep things bottled up inside of you. That's where our friends at BetterHelp come in. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You can get all the benefits of therapy without leaving the comfort of your home. BetterHelp is much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and right now, our Hollywood Ways listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Hollywood. That's B-E-T-T-E-R H-E-L-P.com slash Hollywood. All right, another question came from... uh... Coach McCall, who wants to know what I think is the best sequel ever. So Aliens, uh, you know, the first one was great, but Cameron did the second one, which I think was even better. And Empire Strikes Back, which uh, Lawrence Kasdan, which I have a note on my counter here from Lawrence Kasdan, who is the writer of Empire Strikes Back, The Big Chill, Raiders of Lost Ark, many, many other things, and is one of the great inspirations for me. He got to see my short film in 1990 and wrote me a really nice note that has helped inspire me and keep me motivated and, and going for you know these 30 years. Uh, but I think those two off the top of my head. All right, so Paisano wants to know if I've seen Licorice Pizza or Cobra Kai. Uh, new season four. Watched Cobra Kai when it came out. I thought the season one, the idea, the premise, and the execution of of rebooting this thing in that way, I thought everything about it was genius. 
what could have been a really, really awful, horrible idea was executed in ways that uh, I think we all aspire to do to find really unique ways, especially in this day and age where everybody is looking for IP and is looking for things that people can hang on to that aren't just brand new and original. But at the same time, that was really original and really well done. And uh, season four, uh, I thought, you know, was really good. I think the first season was the best one, but I've liked it all the way through and I'm happy with it. Uh, Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson is one of my favorite filmmakers. Boogie Nights, There Will Be Blood. Licorice Pizza was an interesting movie. Uh, There are a few filmmakers like BTA, Scorsese, the Coen brothers that I I don't like to even watch a trailer because I don't want to know anything about it. But somehow I caught something and I thought, It was about Barbara Streisand. So the first 25 minutes of this movie, I thought the young girl in the movie was uh, Barbara Streisand, which obviously it was not if anyone has seen it. But as far as the movie goes, I always like to watch his movies at least twice before I really commented that being comment on them. That being said, I, as all of his stuff was completely entranced and mesmerized by it and watching his writing and his filmmaking and the performances. This is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, who I'm not even sure if he's been on camera before, but he's amazing. And uh, everyone in the cast, it really, it kept me going and, and I really like it, but I want to watch it again before I, I deep dive into it. Um, Pool Masters, Long Island, wants to know what I think of the Cone Brothers. Cone Brothers have been, since the first time I saw Blood Simple, which anyone who has not seen that movie should watch it because that was an independent movie they made. I don't even know if it's pre-1990, but it was, it was uh, one of those independent movies that I think everyone who wanted to be a filmmaker in that time around 1990 watched that movie and was just like, wow, I want to be able to make films like this. Unfortunately, I never have been and I'm not sure I ever will be, but the Coen brothers are some of my favorites. I can't wait to see Macbeth, uh, not trying to be intellectual snobby, but I, I just like everything they do. Denzel, Francis McDormand. And yes, I do like Shakespeare as dumb as some people might think I am. And I'm very interested in seeing that, but I love everything they do. And talking about Nicolas Cage, that was one of those performances I met where you know, uh, Raising Arizona. He's so brilliant in that movie. And I think there's a world where you could have gone, is this over the top? But I've watched it probably 150 times over the last 30 years. And every time I watch it, Holly Hunter as well, John Goodman, their performances are amazing. The writing, the, the, the real, the style of that movie that they came up with back then. And they haven't really disappointed me ever. Every single movie they've done, I've pretty much loved. And uh, I can't wait to see this new one. Let's see. We're running out of questions. I don't think people were that interested. Most people wanted to know about my uh, onesie, which if you haven't seen it, check out my Instagram. But I've gotten these one piece velour suits that I've been rolling around with that I've been feeling very comfortable in and and enjoying them. That's kind of it. I just wanted to give a quick update of what's going on here and what we're trying to do and and keep alive the, the Hollywood ways vibe that I really want this podcast to morph into something that can be informative and can also be entertaining for everybody out there who wants to get into the business and then hopefully spread it out to, to other people as well. But I just wanted to tell everybody that we are keeping moving forward. Victory didn't air this week either because of COVID. Um, we're going to be back with Aaron Sorkin next week, who I really want to deep dive with him. That's one of my favorite writers. Um, David Mamet, Aaron Sorkin, um, 
They're guys that I've watched their dialogue for a long time. And it's not that I ever try to imitate anybody because I don't. They're writers that I aspire to write like that. Um, you know, and, and Aaron, especially, he can create worlds. What I was talking about earlier, the way he created the West Wing world, for instance, I've never been in the White House. I actually have been in the White House, but I've never really seen the workings of the White House. When you watch that show, whether that's real or not, you 100 million percent believe that's real. And that's what the great writers and the great filmmakers do. It's like Scorsese does with Casino. You feel like somebody knows how a casino was operated in the 60s, 70s. And it's it's brilliant. And they, both of them, and obviously Scorsese often has, has writers with them, um, but they create dialogue that is the stuff that speaks to me that is so real and you feel like you know these people, even if you've never been around gangsters or presidents or any of that stuff. So that, that's always the stuff uh, I aspire to. So I'm excited to talk to Aaron Sorkin. Um, and obviously he was on Entourage and he got to read my writing, which um, obviously he did it. So I know he didn't hate it, but I might put him on the spot to see what he thought of my writing. And uh, again, I don't want any of the haters to come after me about the morning show. I'm not saying anything about it. And uh, I am very soon going to have my new project that everybody can look at and, and, and like, hate, or, or somewhere in between, or dissect it in whatever manner they want. But uh, those are how I look at things. And I think for writers, you want to aspire to be the best. And um, like I said, if you want to look at some brilliant openings or brilliant pilots that have really motivated and inspired me, look at Cheers and look at West Wing, and look at Sports Night, look at Mary Tyler Moore, um, which, you know, rest in peace, Betty White, which that's also been a, a big motivator for this new project, which we're really talking about these second and third acts of life in this thing. And it's not going to be hokey or preachy at all. So I don't want anyone to think that. We're, we're trying to create something entertaining, fun, but that also has some real heart and feeling to it. Um, but Betty White, um, Mary Tyler Moore, which is one of the great um, shows of all time, James L. Brooks, who created it. I mentioned Broadcast News earlier, which is another movie you should watch. But um, Betty White got that show when she was in her 50s. And that was really her big break. She had worked plenty before that. But that's the thing that really launched her for the next 40 years. And we all know in this business, it's sort of like in athletics. I mean, if you can have a 10 year run, You've had a great, great run. If you can go past 20, you're in rarefied turf. And when you do something like Betty White did or Martin Landau, who was on Entourage, and, you know, we, we know there are examples of others. Norman Lear, who was about to turn 100, who created All in the Family and the Jeffersons and, and a, a million other things and is also one of my, my heroes and, and someone who inspires me. Those are the things you want to do. And for the younger people listening to this, um, you know, when you get to in your 50s in this business and, and people start to think, oh, the time has passed you and, and the younger people are coming up, you know, we still want to uh, contribute. And we still think that we have stuff to say that hopefully uh, younger generations and our current generation will appreciate um, which also I, I don't have the list anymore, but somebody else asked the question about whether I think there'll be this renaissance of filmmakers again, like there was in the late nineties when Quentin and, and others uh, 
started coming up. And in the seventies, when you had Scorsese and, and Coppola and all of that group, you know, it's a weird time now because it's hard to make those independent films now and get them out there to the masses because all the studios want to make are these giant hundred million dollar movies. And they rarely going to give them to these new comers. So it'll be interesting to see where this next crop of real voices and filmmakers come from. And I don't really have a, uh, a strong feeling one way or the other how it's going to happen. But I know that artists and unique voices always find their way to shine through. And uh, I look forward to seeing what's next, you know, as some of these guys do age like Paul Thomas Anderson and, and, and others. But uh, I think it's an exciting time. I think there's a lot of ways to uh, get things distributed. I think there's a lot of ways to um, make things on your own that are very different than what people were doing even five or 10 years ago. So I'm excited about it and I'm looking forward to it and uh, short and sweet, hopefully worth your time. But uh, my throat is a little scratchy. I think I'm okay, but um, everybody stay safe, healthy out there. And uh, we'll be back. That's uh, another episode of Hollywood ways. And I'm Doug Ellen and Ted Foxman is somewhere uh, in his car rolling around Hollywood. So we'll be back next week. I'm right here. Good to see you. Hear you, Ted. We'll be back. I know that you like the lies, know you like the way it shines. There's no other place you'd rather be.